0: If you brought your Bible with you today, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. If you use your smartphone or iPad or something, do whatever you need to do. Let's look at these scriptures together. I believe it will be helpful and beneficial I want to share with you a, a, a next a next part in a series we've been in now for uh, several weeks called Contrast. That that's that's Different than the other series called Same. (laughs) Alright. That's a different series. I actually haven't taught that one yet. maybe Maybe later we'll teach Same. Now contrast. Contrast. We're showing how things are different in the life of the believer. And we're giving attention to it. We're shining a light on it. We can see what's different, not what's the same. And if we'll identify what is different... In the life of the saved person, it'll help us to magnify it, to walk it out, to live it out, and to be who God has called us to be in this dark world. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, notice with me again verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you contrast among whom, that was my word, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so this is God's setup, His design, that His people would shine. That we would stand out, that we would not look like everybody else, and we would most certainly not look like what we used to look like. I don't know, anybody happy about that? <laughs> that? That we actually change and improve and, and, and it's better than it was before. And, and that's the nature of God, isn't it? He wants to take something that was wrong and make it right. Take something that was crooked and make it straight. Take something that was broken and heal it up. Get it fixed. Get it put back together. That's what he is all about. And this is a contrast to a broken world, to a dark world, to a sin-filled world, to a lost world. You and I are supposed to shine as bright lights in the middle of it. We've been, we've been talking about uh, some various aspects and, and uh, aspects of the person who has been saved. Uh, you might recall last week we were speaking about Uh, The blessing of God. The blessing of God. One of the things that makes you stand out is that you are just simply blessed. The moment you get saved, the blessing of God now lives in you, lives on you. It abides on you. And it doesn't come and go from day to day. It's a permanent resident part of your being. You are blessed. If you're saved, say it with me. Say, I am blessed. Blessed of God, every day, in every way, I am blessed by Him. Yeah, how I many? It wouldn't hurt to say that few few times a day or an hour. Huh? I mean, just to build a consciousness in yourself of that blessing that lives and abides in your life continually. Now, now, when we talk about the blessing of God being on the believer. Um, I'm not saying or implying that there aren't blessings in unbelievers' lives. In fact, everyone on the planet is living to some degree in the blessing of God's presence because He's here. The only way to totally remove someone from that is for them to die without Christ, okay? No longer blessed, no longer benefiting from it. Uh, But, you know, Jesus even taught us that that the Father blesses people. He blesses both the just and the unjust with the rain. Right? And so His blessings affect everybody. And many people have blessings in their lives. But that's not the same as having the blessing. If you're from the South, you harden that G, right? Running. You know, walking. Penga ponga uh, Uh, (laughs) But the blessing produces blessings. Right? But with us, if you're saved now, you have the blessing of God on you. What, What should that do? It should excite you because if anything comes against you, you have resident within your being as a child of God the goods to overcome. Whereas if you just have a blessing... A blessing that can come and go—you'll enjoy it, but it might be gone tomorrow. But I tell you, the Lord never leaves you, huh? and the blessing of God never leaves you. As a child of God, it'll always be there, so you'll always have a brighter future. Anything comes against you, you're coming over, you're coming out, you're coming through. You'll be victorious in all that you do. Amen. Believe that, say that, speak that about your own your own self and your own life, and uh, and refuse to have it any other way. It's one of the ways that God intended for you and I to stand out in this world thank you Lord I want to look at something further turn with me to book to the book of John John chapter 13 I wanna highlight another principle from the scripture another reality another difference that exists in the lives of believers and that one is this this is huge and I have a hard time each time we talk about one of these various things that I have a hard time not thinking each one is the most important thing in the, in the world. And, but I think this one is it today. Um, until next week, you know, it might be, so, but this is huge. This, this is really big. And, and I want you to see it at the level that it is with the great importance that it, that it has. This is a difference in the life of the believer. Ready? It is the love of God. It is the love of God. This is huge. This is big. And this sets apart the believer from the non-believer, the person who's in light from the person who is in darkness. It is one of the most outstanding characteristics a child of God has is that the moment they make Jesus the Lord of their life love, not not just human love, not just worldly love, not just what all kinds of people call love, the love of God gets deposited in them and they have it now. You have it in you. It's the God kind of love. Now, uh, some of you know the Greek word for that is the word agape. Okay? It's a word, it's a it's a quality of love that didn't exist before Jesus. I mean it did in God, but in in humanity, in the in human relationships, no. Agape was not a part of human relationships and it still is not outside of Christ. All right? It uh it, it's distinct from worldly love. In that it is not a response to positive treatment. In other words, if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. You give something to me, I'm going to give something to you. You forgive me, I'm going to forgive you. That's not what we're talking about here. Okay? There are a whole lot of people outside of God that can operate in that level of love. And many people do. They're kind to those who are kind to them. The difference here... Ready? Ready? is someone does you wrong and you're kind back. Someone treats you like you're scum and you love them anyway. Someone hurts you and harms you and takes from you and you forgive them even though they don't deserve it. This is the way that God is. It is the way the love of God works in us. And most people on the planet do not have a clue what we're able to do you and i have an ability to do this huh and it's powerful it is the reason jesus went to the cross it is it is romans chapter 5 and verse 8 but while we were still sinners god demonstrates his own love toward us in, what, in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Not when we got our act together. Not when we finally prayed and got holy and cried. No. While we were still thumbing our nose at God. While we were still stiffening our neck. While humanity was not, was not in submission to God's ways, but in rebellion to Him. He said, I'm going to send my son anyway to pay the price for your sins. And His love is what, draw, has, is what has drawn us to Him. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads one to repentance. Amen. This is agape. It's pure. It's holy. It's concentrate. It's powerful. And it lives inside of the believer. Amen. The best picture of this, the best way to explain it, is Jesus on the cross not doing anything for himself but literally he took a beating he took a thrashing and he took the sin of the world and he took the curse that was deserved that mankind deserved upon himself for no personal gain or benefit but only for us and he hung on the cross and he said father forgive these guys you know what would you have said father wipe them out light them up so what did he say Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. That is love. And we are supposed to continually look to that example to see how we are to treat other people. Okay? That is the love of God. It just doesn't have payback in it. It doesn't have your behavior towards me justifies my behavior toward you. But that's the way the world thinks. If you hurt me, if you do certain things... Well, now you're going to get it. So why are you acting that way? Well, because they deserve it. Well, why are you doing that to them? Well, because they did it to me. Why are you treating your spouse that way? Well, because they did it first. <laughs> huh? <laughs> that's the way this natural, worldly kind of love works. But that's not who God is. And that's not what governs us. That's not what dominates our lives. It's been very interesting to me over the years to see people who live in that, that so-called pseudo-love that just doesn't have anything to do with God, uh, to see individuals who once they get hurt, offended, or hurt by someone, it's like the gloves come off and all rules are gone and they feel justified to act in any way that they seem fit or they feel like acting at that moment because, well, they hurt me. Well, they did this to me. Huh? But how many know that is a low level of living? That's a low way to live. That's not how, how Jesus did us. Huh? That's not how he treated us on the cross. And so we, we, we operate in this divine love. Did you find John 13? All right. I want you to notice the language Jesus used here. Uh, powerful verses. Verse 34, 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love everybody. Now interrupt me if I read it wrong. Shout me down. Call me out. Let me, start, let me start over a new commandment I give to you that you love everybody. Okay, that was weak and it only came from certain sections. Uh, he said that you love one another. We'll come back to that. You love who? One another. How, how should we love one another? As I have loved you. So he's the example gives the example of this agape. That you also love everybody. Okay, getting a little stronger. I think I heard even maybe one or two voices from this weak section over here. Uh, <laughs> that you also love one another. By this, look at the language, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Here's, there's the contrast again. This is how everybody's going to see the difference. This is how everybody in the world is going to see that you belong to me. And he said, it's by how you treat, by how you love, who? One One another. Now, interesting, of course, Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. They were very, very familiar with commandments under the law of Moses. There were the Ten Commandments, of course. There were many, many other commandments, hundreds of other commandments. And Jesus came in and bucked the system and said, I'm giving you a new one. And how many know the new one encompassed all the old ones that would have to do with, 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 uh, you know, sinfulness and so forth? Because if you, if you love someone, how many know you're not going to murder them? I'm murdering you in love. I mean this in a nice way now. <laughs> yeah. If you love someone, you're not going to steal from them. If you love someone, you're not going to bear false witness against them. And so forth. You can see how it's all built into one command. And I like that a lot better than 600. But still, even that being the case, it seems like a lot of people struggle with the one. (laughs) The one commandment. But he said, this is the new commandment I give to you. And this is how everybody's going to know. That you belong to me, they're going to see it in you. But how, how are they going to see it? They're going to see how you treat, how you love one another, not how you love them. How you love one another. He's talking to his disciples. He said they, and I'm just they are going to watch you and how you interact and how you relate. And how you treat each other. And they are going to see that and say, they belong to Jesus. There's something Jesus-ish all over that. Right? But he didn't say, they're going to know because of how you treat them. He said, they're going to know because of how you treat each other. This is a powerful truth. Okay? Um... This is one of those areas that can get watered down from time to time. Um, That is the idea that we should give equal attention to all people and group everyone into one category and say, Well, we should just love everybody. Now, in one sense that's true because Jesus told us to love our enemies. He most certainly told us to preach the gospel in all the world. That's the greatest act of love you could, you could give an unbeliever, is to share God's love and grace with them, right? Share the gospel with them. However, it is still a, a, a separation. There is a, a distinguishing reality here in how we should view all people versus one another. All right, One another is a different category in the mind of God. One another has to do with family. It has to do with saved people. There is a priority that is and should be given in all of us to the people of God. Bear with me now? Yeah. Uh, I, I, go ahead and if you're quiet, that's okay, I guess. Think about it. I want you, I want you to think about it and ponder uh, what I'm saying. And, and consider if these things are, are, are right. Okay? You might, might recall Jesus one day was ministering in a place, and they came to Him and said, Jesus, your family's out there. Your mom and your brothers, and they're out there, they want to see you. And Jesus took the opportunity to make a very important point. He said, I'm going to tell you who my family are, who my brothers and sister and mother are. He said, it's those that hear and do the will of my Father. He said, that's, that's who my family is. Now, I don't think he was being disrespectful. I know he wasn't. He wasn't being disrespectful to, to Mary and, and, and to his natural family there on earth. But he was elevating an important truth. That God sees family much in a much bigger way than just bloodlines. And just our immediate lo, you know nucleus of, 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 a, of a family. He sees it in regards to covenant and kingdom salvation and his family said those who do the will of God that's your family now how many know if if God sees it that way we probably ought to see it that way too yeah we have natural families and we don't diminish that or set that aside by any means that's a God thing but I'm telling you also we have a spiritual family and if we do not recognize that those who are in Christ are brothers our sisters, our family and they will be forever then we're going to miss out on God's intention in how we relate to one another. Yeah. If you're in God's family and someone else is you look at each other different than you look at other people who are not. Just like you would look at the neighbor kid different than you look at your own kid. Doesn't mean you don't care for them or wouldn't help them if they... whatever. It's just different, isn't it? And we are to see this distinction. Um, Across the world today, we're getting reports of of persecution off the charts. You know, Christians being put to death and beheaded and all kinds of horrific things. And I know, you know, usually we're not so close to that where we, you know, we don't know many of these individuals personally, But I tell you, there should be something about it where we still feel it. Because whether we know that person and know their name and know their life, in God's eyes, and this is correct, they are family to us. Let's remember that. Okay? I mean, if someone in your immediate family was undergoing some things, I think you'd be praying for them. I think you'd feel that and think, oh God. But I think sometimes because it's so distant or it's not someone we personally know, you know, we're not moved by it. I think it would be a godly thing if we were moved by it. Because they're still family. Amen. Paul told Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 5.8, he said, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, strong language. You deny the faith, worse than an unbeliever, if you do what? If you don't provide for everybody. No, 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 that's another subject. If you don't provide for your own, should we know who our own are? How can you provide for your own if you don't know who your own are? But this is, again, priority with God. Your own are your brothers, your sisters in Christ. In addition to your natural family, this is a, this is a family that lasts forever. Forever. I mean, I pray and, you know, expect that all of your natural families will come into the kingdom as you pray for them and believe that's going to be the case. But I know for certain, a bunch of us here, we're going to see each other a lot for a long time, okay? And uh, I guess we're not going to get tired of each other, but we might as well get a head start now and get our, our mindset on this that we are family, amen? Amen. So what's the contrast? What's the contrast in the world versus the body of Christ, the church? It's how we treat each other versus how many times the world treats each other. Stepping on each other, stabbing in the back. You hit me, I hit you. Eye for an eye, that kind of thing. It's it's all that kind of stuff. In the church, No, in the kingdom of God, we just treat each other differently. We're just going to forgive one another. We're going to serve one another. We're going to be there to help and to lift and to encourage and, and strengthen. Amen. Why? We're family. We are the body of Christ. And this is the New Testament commandment. That we love one another. And again, not the worldly love. Don't think of it in that terms. This is Jesus on the cross. This is us laying down our lives for each other and giving everything up to help someone else. Look with me at Acts chapter 11. I want to give you an example of this. It's it's kind of a subtle example that I was able to see a number of years ago. But in Acts chapter 11, it really makes this point. It it, it reads over here in, in, in verse 27 And in the days, in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, aren't you glad your name is not Agabus, uh, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, who, who, who did this? Disciples, disciples, each according to his ability, in other words, can't give what you don't have, according to his ability, determined to send relief to everybody dwelling in Judea. Huh? Now they determined to send relief, so they took up an offering, they got resources, but notice who they they sent it to. They sent relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Say, well, what's up with that? What's with that discrimination there? Why don't they just help everybody? Because family comes first. If something happens, we're going to help out our family. That's I think there's something built into humanity that thinks that way. We're, I mean, we know there are people suffering on the other in different parts of the world and even even close. And, but how many know if you have a, a wife, or husband, a husband, you know kids, your attention is most certainly going to be to make sure they're not suffering. You're going to take care of it. There's something that's just that's just innate about us to do that. But what we see is in the family of God. Now we are also brothers and sisters. And if someone is hurting somewhere, we're going to aid them. We're going to help them. Does it mean we wouldn't help anybody else? No, it doesn't mean we wouldn't. But let's not mingle this and water it down and act like everybody is the same. They're not the same. They're not. Okay, so well, what if someone else has need? Well, in one sense, we should all be led as to who we help and, and, and that. But anyone, you know, if someone rejects the Lord, I don't know, maybe they could pray to their God. And He would help them if He's real. And if not, they're stuck. And maybe they'll look at you and say, Well, when they get in trouble, they pray and stuff changes exactly right. And when someone in the family of God cries out to God and says, help, I, I need some assistance. What does the Lord do? Well, frequently you see that he talks to one of the others of us and we go meet the need and we go help that person out. Why? That's the way he designed it. We support each other. We serve one another. We give to each other. We pray for one another. Watch. We forgive one another. In the world, they hold grudges. 20 years later, they're still ticked off. Still holding this grudge about what they did. Not here. We just don't operate that way. Why? It's called agape. It's called Jesus on the cross. I didn't deserve it. He died for me anyway. And you did me wrong. I'm going to let you off. Why? Jesus on the cross. Aren't you ticked? Sometimes but I go back to Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And he did that for me. And I do that for you, and you do that for me, and we do that for each other. This is the new commandment. This is what makes the church, the body of Christ so desirable for 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 those who are outside of it. They look and they see, man, these guys don't run each other over. They help each other. They they forgive one another. They're not they don't stay angry at each other. What what's going on here? It's almost like it's supernatural it's almost like it's beyond the norm it is beyond the norm in this world and it's natural for us as children of God we have this thing in us that compels us to love to forgive to support to help and to restore people hallelujah I don't know if you're getting anything out of this so far but uh, I want you to see the difference because we are a contrast to this world, you will read if you read some of the letters of Paul, especially uh, like to the Corinthian church, because they were a very carnal bunch. He he got on their case multiple times about how they treated each other, because they got saved but they were still yielding to the flesh. And uh, and one day, or uh, in one chapter, First Corinthians chapter six, he got on their case about their lawsuits. He said, what are you guys doing? What are you you guys thinking taking each other to court? Because the court was basically made mostly up of heathens. He said, you got disputes amongst yourself and you can't figure it out? Really? You're really going to take your stuff before an unbeliever and put that on display? I mean, how is that being a light in a dark world? He said, you guys are totally ruining your... um, ad-libbing here, you're totally ruining your testimony. You're totally diminishing the power of the gospel in the eyes of the world. You're not being a light in a dark place. You're acting just like the dark people do. Those in darkness. Hallelujah. In fact, let me read a couple of those verses to you. First Corinthians 6, 7, and 8. Now, therefore, it is utterly, it is already an utter failure, failure, For you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren! Exclamation point. Bam! He said, you're doing that to one another. And he is getting on their case. He said, listen, it'd be better if you got ripped off. Why? Because it won't affect the light in the dark world. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been ripped off, you've ever been cheated, you've ever been stolen from, you've ever been lied about. It doesn't feel good. No one, no one enjoys that. And, you know, and there, the temptation could come. Well, you can't, you can't let people run, run over you in life. Well, I, I agree with that. And depending on the context, I, I'm. I don't think we should be run over by people. I think we should take our stand. But listen again. He said it would be better if you let it go and you actually lost money in the deal. He said that would be better than not allowing agape to dominate your relationships and your church and your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The reality is, is that if we do not let the love of God dominate us, we're going to act like the world. We're going to act like darkness instead of light. And what it does is it removes this standout characteristic about us. Remember? We've got the presence of God. We've got the blessing of God. We've got the love of God in us. And it is designed to make us stick out. Because wow, you just don't hold things against people. You're kind when others are mean. You let stuff roll off your back like you know, like water off a duck's back. You just let stuff roll off of you, and you don't hold on to stuff. What is that about you, man? What have you got going on? Is love? It's the love of God. Amen. Amen. Some people won't appreciate it. They'll, they'll impugn your motives. They'll they'll call you weak. They'll say other things about you. But all that does is give you further opportunity to forgive and love someone. <laughs> Amen. The enemy is working overtime to divide the body of Christ. He's working night and day to get you to be against someone. Hold a grudge. Hold things against people. To be offended. To, to, to be hurt. He's working night and day to work that in your life. But absolutely not. We resist it. We will not hide that light. We will not diminish our influence. We will not uh, water down this outstanding characteristic that exists in every single one of us. It is the love of God. James uh, 2. You don't need to turn there. James chapter 2. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Notice the language. He said, if a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food. You see the language again? We see that constantly throughout the writings of the New Testament. That, that would be the theme. There is an emphasis given to those who are family. To those who are in the body of Christ. If a brother or sister is this way. Now I know sometimes people take advantage of that. I've had people use the brother card on me. You know, play the brother card, the sister card. And they basically communicate that you're obligated to do something for me because I'm a brother. Well, one, I don't know if you are. I'm not, the, I'm not the judge of whether someone's saved or not saved, whether you're really in the family, or you just heard that we really take care of each other, we really love each other, we support each other, and you're trying to take advantage. All right. So when someone comes to me and says that, I mean, I've had, it, I've had someone preach that very sermon in James to me out in a parking lot. Because I wouldn't give them money. And they were demanding it of me. You have to do this for me because I'm a brother. You have to give me this money. And I said, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't have to do anything, anything like that. And we have the spirit of God, and uh, the spirit will lead us. He'll guide us. He'll direct us in what we're to do for one another, and what we're for, what we're to do for those on the outside. But when someone's, you know, like that, it's like, eh, I don't think the spirit, the spirit of God is in this. If you're ever asking for asking help from someone, you got to do more listen, listening than talking. I think. I remember one time on the phone, uh, when I was in, in charge of doing this at a church, uh, someone called, and they were requesting help, but they spoke 100 miles an hour without pause. And it was all their plight, their demise, and how everything's wrong, everything's broken, all this kind of stuff, just constant, just going on and on. Finally, I stepped in, I said, sir, you need to stop talking so much. And I don't know if that's, that may sound rude or not, but sometimes it's the only way to get in. I, didn't, I wasn't not caring about him, But as soon as I said that, the language got colorful on the end. Not only did it not stop, it took on a new flavor. And, uh, and I went on to something else. Ching. Now what? See, that's not the Spirit of God making you feel guilty or someone else using this kind of stuff to make you feel guilty to obligate you to do something for him. Okay, that's not the motive we're we're in, in, interested in, and uh, but but when you see a brother, that's a different thing. You see a sister, you know someone, and the Lord leads you. We help each other, right? We do things for each other. I want to encourage you: be 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 generous, not just when you give to the Lord give to the, because uh, it's all given to the Lord, really. You know, all the times I put hundred dollar bills in someone's hand, that's giving to the Lord. I gave to the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord, I'm giving this to you. But I've given it to a person. Huh? When you take someone out to lunch and you pay for their food, you bought Jesus lunch. It's all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all giving to the Lord. But I encourage you, step it up. Why? Because that's how we shine. The world does not see what we feel for one another. The world only sees what we do for one another. Only sees how we treat and how we forgive, and we don't hold things against, and how we bless one another. Amen. Amen. The world sees when they hear the testimony of how someone at church made made your car payment for you. The Lord, the, 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 they see how someone paid your tuition. The Lord, they see and they hear the stories when someone paid a bill for you, or they just bought you a new watch. So what are you saying? Why, why are you saying all this? I'm saying be led. I'm not saying just off the cuff do stuff. That Whatever. We're not talking about obligation. We're talking about the love of God compels us. It does things for people whether they deserve it or not. It's not about that. I just want to be led. I just want to be a blessing. I just want to help. And if that's the condition, if that's what we're letting dominate our relationships, huh. can you say attractive desirable it's something that the world wants to be a part of because so often that just that stuff just does not exist in this world amen galatians chapter 6 tells us that we should that that, that we should restore one another if someone falls the spiritual among us will restore them The carnal will kick them to the curb. The carnal will say, kick them out. They'll say, they failed. They're ruining our reputation. They're hurting this. The spiritual will lift them back up and restore them. Amen. Amen. If you've come into here, into this place, and, and life beat you up all week, and you've had a rough go at it, I want you to know, from here on out, the moment you drive on our parking lot, all the condemnation stops. You need to stop feeling bad about it and stop worrying about it, because this is a place of safety and rest. That there's family here, and if you're part of the fam- if you're not a part of the family, but we don't know it, we're going to act like you are. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and lean that way, because I can't. I'm not judging someone's personal salvation. You know, between you and the Lord, where you stand with Him. But if you're in here, your family, and uh, you're off the hook, no guilt, no shame, no reason to, to feel like a lousy good for nothing. This is a party house. We're celebrating here. We're worshiping the Lord. We're just helping one another, serving one another, and doing it. Because, and we're 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 glad about it. In the middle in the middle of it. Amen, amen. I tell you what, God wants to do some great things through us in our future. But let's let this is one of the key parts. It's always going to be. We could obviously you know to take this subject and talk about it for months, but. We are going to operate in and let this love dominate us. We don't get offended. We don't. We don't. We don't hold on to hurts. We don't hold grudges. But we look to forgive, to bless, to 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 uh, you know to help others who are in need. No matter no matter what their situation is. Amen.